It's not a bird, it's not a plane, it's Superhero Slate. It's a modern podcast where we talk about everything that's great. Like movies, TV, superheroes. It's Superhero Slate. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Superhero Slate, the show where we run down the latest superhero entertainment news. We love TV, we love movies, and we love superheroes. Let's talk it all out. My name is Chris Dillard. And my name is Mike Royer. And this week, we're talking about Marvel's new approach to their TV series, Mike. Ooh, yes. Pro- probably <laughs> the the only news you've sent me in the past three weeks, probably, or if not a month, was this. And I'm like, this is going to be great to talk about on the show. Yes, it, it was big enough to break through into my vacation, and I yeah. stopped all the presses, and I read it while I was in picturesque Scotland. And yeah. I was like, no, i got to read about Daredevil right now. Exactly. Uh, and, and this has been a really good conversation week for that, so we're going to break it down for it. Uh, two other things. Mike has caught up on Loki season two. It's yes. only two episodes, so we're going to talk about how the show has started off since we're a third of the way through it. And then I believe you've also finished Ahsoka, Mike, so we can actually Correct. come through and review mm-hmm. the Ahsoka series in its finality because we didn't really talk about it week to week. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it'd be good to come talk about it here, what, a week and a half, um, almost two weeks after it's, it's wrapped up. So I think it'll be a fun little show we got going on today. Yeah, we got a bit of like a supersized episode here because we we took the week off last week. So obviously all the news rolls over into this week as well. So we got a lot of good stuff to go over here. I am back from vacay. So I tried to bring back some tidbits that could possibly relate to the show in any sort of context because I'm not just going to come on here and just tell everyone what I did on my vacation. Mm-hmm. Uh, though I suppose maybe in the future there could just be a um, a version of this podcast where we just throw away all of the nerdy stuff and then we just talk about what our lives are like. Yeah. Which the, sometimes I feel like this is what the top of the show ends up being anyway. Yeah, so. So, sometimes that is. You know, if if it's not that, it snacks, Mike. And the one thing I can trust from you to send me is all the food you ate over there. So <laughs> I appreciate the visuals. I I wish you could get taste through photos. Right? When are we gonna Ooh. get the iPhone with the the screen you can lick and and, and get the flavor of what's on the Man. other side? I don't know. Fanta is out of control in Europe in a sense of like it's everywhere. Like uh, I thought Fanta was just uh, popular over here. Uh, they're not just doing the the turn your poop green colors over here. They're mm-hmm. doing every flavor combo I've ever seen in my life over in Europe. So if you're a Fanta fan uh, and you're here in the states, you gotta get your ticket and go. So uh, lots of delicious, yeah. delicious Fanta flavors over there. But uh, for part of our trip, we were in Northern Ireland and we kind of stumbled into an impromptu Game mm-hmm. of Thrones set tour over there. Oh, nice. uh, so much so we had all of these places that we visited along the northern coast of Ireland. And then after we were done halfway through our vacation before we left and went over to Scotland, I was like, I'm going to look up a Game of Thrones Ireland like bus tour and see where they yeah. go. And lo and behold, we went to almost every place a bus tour went anyway. Oh, nice. So, uh, yeah, so it's pretty crazy. It's always um, humbling, I guess, to see how camera trickery works, right? You know, I'll, I'll think back to watching an episode of Game of Thrones where they're inside of these like seaside cliffs talking about like magic or demons or succession or death or you know whatever they talk about on game of thrones right and you're just like wow what a what a beautiful location they must have had to hoof it like into the wilderness to get this shot and uh actually no you flip the camera around and there's like uh some houses there's like a little 
there's like a little chippy shop. If you turn the corner, you would see a line of tour buses that stop to get off there. So it was pretty wild that like these picturesque, amazing places just exist where people so live. <laughs> you mentioned that. And my first thing that always comes to mind is like the pyramids. Uh, right, the Great Pyramids, and they're like, mm-hmm. oh, they're out in the desert by themselves and no one's around them. But when you get, like, an aerial view, uh, <laughs> it's like, you know, hundreds of miles of city, like, densely packed city, like, right next yeah. to them. And you're like, oh, the obviously the cameras and editing yeah. makes and, you think otherwise. And there's always a KFC, I feel like, in those pyramid oh, pictures, yeah. too. That just must be the closest American thing to the pyramids is just a KFC. The only uh, good thing that comes out of Kentucky, Mike, uh, was, was the KFC. So, absolutely, we got to... We got to put those things everywhere, right? That's, uh, yeah. that's what we're doing. But my my second tidbit, which is, uh, is something related I brought up before on the show, where uh, me and you, obviously, we're going to be talking about the Spider-Man video game here in a moment, yes. right? But we poured over those first two games over and over again, and we always talked about how amazing it is to swing through the city. And we've kind of gotten word that it's a pretty accurate representation of Manhattan, at least with proximity of where things are supposed to be. Not necessarily the scale. The scale is scaled down. But uh, I ended up going to New York around the time that first Spider-Man came came out. And it, like, really helped me get my bearings. Mm -hmm. Like, obviously, I couldn't way find street by street. But I was like, oh, I know the context of where we're going to get dinner or or the this. The crime's happening the street over here. So I need to go help out with that. Yes, or maybe what end of Central Park I'm on, right? So I had a similar moment where our last day on the trip, we were in London, and we were lucky enough to have somebody showing us around, and we're taking the tube, and we walk up from underground, and I'm in Piccadilly Circus, and it just was so surreal because I was like, oh, my God. And they're like, what? I was like, I've played this map in multiplayer Call of Duty like a uh-huh. hundred times. Like I know exactly where everything is. And this is an instance where you can recreate kind of a little city square accurate, like one to one, 100 percent in like a multiplayer, like first person shooter map. Right. Spider-Man, obviously you got to scale down an entire city. But I was just like, this feels so odd because like all of where all of the buildings are, I was like, oh, that's where like you run in and you can get upstairs to the second floor. Like, oh, mm-hmm. this is where all like the taxi cabs are like piled up or, oh, you can't go further past because there's barricades on this part of the map. It was just such a surreal feeling of just like. Uh, like I know this. This is the yeah. Unix system. I right. know this. Like from Jurassic Park, it was so wild. But then I had to admit to the person that was showing us around. I was just like, oh, I know this from a video game. Sorry for like nerding out in front of you. But it was so odd. I was just like vibing in the area. So uh, yeah, I would love to know if anyone else has ever had that type of experience. And I got to imagine like it would get, probably be from like a Call of Duty. Right? I can't think yeah. of a lot of other games that are recreating places so one to one. Uh, so well, I guess I, if you're in other parts of the world, yeah. have you experienced Call of Duty maps, IRL? Call, Call of Duty, I would say, I don't know how real it is you know, to modern times, but Assassin's Creed games have always tried to um, re- rebuild kind of the areas those are in, right? And there's a new mm-hmm. Assassin's Creed game that came out, I believe, that's set in India. So I don't know if, if the historical part of that, but yeah, absolutely. We, we, are, we are trained um, professionals in these locations from the safety of our homes playing playing video games all the time and it totally makes me uh realize those um because that neil blomkamp is it need for speed movie that's coming out this summer Uh, um no the one that came the the the, uh, gran turismo movie that's out gran turismo yeah not need for speed 
um, where it's based on a true story of like somebody becoming a race car driver. And there's like a there's like a sign there's like a part in the trailer. It's just like, oh, I know this map. I've driven it like mm -hmm. hundreds of times. And I was like, actually, I kind of get that. Like yeah. if I was in like a firefight situation in Piccadilly Circus, I would not engage. But I feel like, yeah. oh, I'd maybe know where to run to get out of the way. Yeah. So. So yeah, there you go. If you want to mentally train yourself, right. well, <laughs> just get into the video game. Well, it's, it's, it kind of leads me to the one thing I've done this week, Mike. And we talked a little bit about this. I've got a Quest Three in the mail this mm -hmm. week, and I was playing with it. And you've kind of given me the idea: if I ever need to go somewhere to another country or another town I'm not familiar with, why not just pull up Google Maps and walk it in VR for a little bit? Because then I'm like, oh, I can remember this a little bit from the visual experience rather than yeah, than it would do help. That. Yeah, I, I I think legitimately it would help, and that actually could be really helpful. If somebody had like a form of maybe like really intense anxiety, right, where new yeah. spaces are really unnerving, if you could just drop in, if even for a couple moments, just to get the feeling or like the energy of the space, yeah. I think that would help a ton. Exactly, and, and you know, you would you would kind of maybe get your bearings when you come out a little bit better, and like, oh, I need to go mm -hmm. left and right, and you know, it's something that you can do on your own time without moving pieces around your your, your own pace. So that kind of gives me an idea to kind of play with that a little bit maybe maybe later um i'll have you send me the all the, the places you stop mike and maybe i'll do my own mm -hmm. virtual tour uh from from the safety of my own home but um yeah so we got a, we got a big episode let's go ahead and jump into you mentioned spider-man the video yeah. game and this friday this coming friday 10 20 spider-man 2 the game will arrive on playstation 5 after uh, i believe five years since the first one came out and then a couple years since miles has come out so i'm very very excited to play this. Well, okay. it's here. I saw I saw ads for it in the uh, subway in London. I saw commercials for it over there, which reminded me that I need to like I guess technically pre-order it because I can well, download yeah. it ahead of time and then yep. it just unlocks on it Friday is, and I don't have to worry about getting it all. It is ready. Is already ready to preload. Uh, they did it on ten thirteen. If you want to. I believe, and this is something that, yeah, it's not in the notes here, but I'm actually going to go physically purchase it on Friday morning. Ooh, okay. Um, uh, because this, that's also the same day the new Mario game comes out, um, ironically, so I can get that for my wife so she's entertained while I'm playing Spider-Man. But <laughs> um, there is a, a couple stores, Best Buy and Walmart, are getting out of the business of selling physical media. Oh, uh, I saw that. Yeah, um, that's Best Buy, specifically movies, and Walmart, specifically games. And while... Again, I, I have nothing against digital. I buy things digitally, Mike. We stream things. It's great. Uh, there's just something about, you know, are you just leasing these games, right, until those virtual servers shut down? Um, mm -hmm. Like Nintendo recently shut down their uh, Wii U and 3DS servers, right? So you can't go back and, and get stuff off there anymore. So, it, it, I mean, I, I worry about that. But at the same time, I'm like, well, when did I ever want to go re-download a 3DS game? Uh, so I understand the life expectancy and you're like, oh yeah, we've moved on. But I'm just like, man, I really want to pick up Spider-Man on a physical so I can have it there within the rest of my games. But, you know, down the road, maybe I can still play it a little bit if, if that happens. So, um, yeah, what, what, what a sign of the times. Uh, I, I think I noticed it really for the first time, maybe a year or two ago when, um, we were trying to put together like a last minute, like Christmas gift for somebody and it was like it was kind of like themed right well let's put a couple of things that relate to each other it actually might have been for like a kind of like a white elephant right and i was like mm -hmm. "Ooh, okay this this package could really be sealed up really nicely if we could get like a a blu-ray of like oceans 13 or something like that but we needed it that day where do you go 
to yeah. get a copy of uh, Ocean's 13 or Ocean's 11 on Blu-ray, like day of, right? Yeah. You know, you might try Walmart or Best Buy, and if it's a popular enough movie, if it's older, yeah, they might have it, but... It is a crapshoot. You basically have to order it online and think ahead of time. There's no more impulse purchases of a specific yeah. movie anymore. It, exactly, and and I again, I'm, I'm a proponent of the newer 4K issues with like uh, or not issues the, the releases with like the bit rate and stuff I've talked about right for my home theater system. A lot of people don't have that. I totally get it. You know, if you got a TV and a sound bar, that works. That that's just as fine. Um, but my biggest concern, and this is something you know I, I've always dabbled in, Mike, is video games. Uh, ROMs and emulators and actual owning mm-hmm. the copies, right? Like backing up media, right? You know, games that aren't made anymore, they're, they're the thousands of dollars because people, you know, threw them away because they weren't thinking of it. Why what, are we going to get to the point where companies need to, like, will there be possible legislation like you have to keep releasing physical media because you can't cut people out who don't have digital slash streaming, even though it's everywhere? preservation of media right in the future if someone decides to delete something from the internet like you mentioned game of thrones the the starbucks coffee cup in one of the final episodes remember that whole fiasco Mm -hmm. like where do we find that i found out this week as well there's a copy of or a version of ace ventura that was only edited for tv with scenes added in for tv like on tbs that are not available on dvd vhs or blu-ray so I, someone's had to that, like cl- like go get these clips from these TV places and compile it into an online only version for for fans. So yeah. Well, Chris, don't worry. You just gotta wait another probably four or five years, and then you can just ask a AI chatbot yeah. to hunt it down or just recreate, recreate it. it yeah, you. Can, <laughs> yeah. Can you make this scene? It, it's true, but I, I, I that, that's just something I want. I mean, it's, it's not a huge topic here, but it does bring bring up the thing and and the my feelings on Spider Man Two is like, yes, I will pre order it digitally, and I'm like, I think I just want to get it just in case, uh, kind of there. But the other part of this is. Obviously, with games that are already pre-downloaded, people can crack them and hack them. So leaks and spoilers are already out, Mike. So beware of anything articles related to Spider-Man 2. Avoid them if you can, if you want to go in as clean as you can. Because I I only know, again, the first like big gameplay footage we shared what, a couple months mm-hmm. ago. Um, I, I'm not watching any other trailers or teasers. For this yeah. to kind of go and on. we'll be we'll be giving first impressions for sure next week on the show yeah. uh, but I'm not gonna rush I'm gonna take my time so mm-hmm. hopefully we can kind of talk about the ending maybe in a couple weeks yeah yeah exactly yeah I, I really hope so it'll be it'll be fun um, also on Friday uh, not other than Mario and this um, my wife bought us tickets to go see the Taylor Swift movie uh, the Eras Tour movie, which is apparently breaking all sorts of records at the box office. So yeah, I will not get to play Spider-Man on Friday, even if I buy it. So uh, <laughs> we'll we'll talk about it next Sunday for sure. Mike, were you able to watch the Monarch Legacy of Monsters trailer that Apple TV dropped this week yet? Because I, boy, I this is exciting. Teaser- I watched some teaser trailer about it. It must have been maybe just before we left on our trip. Okay, this is a newer one because um, we, we we talked about it in the news a couple of weeks ago. I don't know maybe it's maybe it's a week you were out, but there's a new uh, trailer for the series, and boy, does it not hold back actually having monsters in the series, despite the fact you know a a lesser probably streaming service would be like yeah, just make it focus on the humans, not on the actual you know Godzilla yeah. or the creatures. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's very it's very odd kind of being hyped for the series just because it's something that's kind of primarily only existed as feature films. But now it's going to be on TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like 
it's not like I was super excited to watch them when they were on the big screen in the first place. Like I kind of had to force myself to binge and watch them just so like when Godzilla finally fought King Kong and Mecha Godzilla shows up, I I guess I'd know what was going on as yeah. if it would be so complicated, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but like, yeah, weirdly enough, I don't know why I'm compelled to watch this. Well, I think there's there's two things. They're they're trying, right? I mean, uh, I it's a legendary, I believe, owns the rights to this or Warner, whoever owns the rights to this, because it is literally everywhere, right? We have. Um, we have got two uh, two Godzilla movies, a one uh, Kong Skull Island, Kong. We have a, an animated series, I believe, right? Kong mm-hmm. or Skull Island that's been on Netflix recently. This came out, and then Monarch Legacy Monsters. So they're trying to do something with this, which is awesome. Rather than just, hey, you know, they're not doing the Freddy versus Jason or the Alien versus Predator thing, which is like a one off, and they they go their own way. But this is Apple TV, and the thing with Apple TV cert, like series are they put real money and energy behind this right like they, yeah, they like, got they're they not got the money <laughs> yeah they're not half ass in this and you can kind of see even if you don't you know listen to it, you can watch this there there's godzillas there's other aliens there's a really cool thing which reminded me of the godzilla 99 movie with the underground egg nests kind of going on yeah, here there's some glowy I'm orange eggs of, i'm kind of watching this now as we're chatting and man it's just like they're like hey can we afford to put this spider creature uh, chasing somebody in the forest. Like, yeah, sure, we'll just go sell a couple more MacBooks. You'll be fine. Yeah, okay, we're bringing back John Goodman. We've hired Kurt Russell and his son Wyatt Russell to play the same character. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, they, they are really kind of going out here. And one of the cool things about this is, and this is, Russ is one of the um, the showrunners or the, uh, maybe the writers, I forget, is Matt Fraction, who wrote, you know, who writes comic books. Obviously, Hawkeye for Marvel, which is what, you know. Whoa, I didn't know Matt it? Fraction was involved. That's crazy. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's like one of his passion projects when they announced it a couple of years ago. He was, like, building, like, um, I would say dioramas for the, the show, like, he can walk around in uh, kind of thing. So uh, Matt Fraction involved. So it's currently, you know, I don't, again, we're not Rotten Tomatoes people, but it debuted at 92% right now, even though it's not out for another month and a half. So I've got I've got some hype levels for this, Mike, to, to see wow. these monsters kind of come through here. The big question is, will I be able to convince my wife to watch it? Uh-huh. <laughs> we, we'll find out. I'll just put it on and be like, what are we watching? I'll just like, just let's find out if you like it. We're just watching, uh, we're watching a show called Monarch. Is it about butterflies? It might be. There might be butterflies <laughs> in here. We don't know. Um, so, yep, absolutely. comes out November 17th on Apple Plus. So get ready for that. Uh, a show I never finished the first season of, and it's not indicative of the quality. There's just a lot of show here because these are 40-plus minute episodes. I didn't expect that early on for an animated show. But Invincible, the season two trailer drops and teases a multiverse pretty early on. Um, the villain literally just says, I had the ability to access every multiverse. And I'm like, okay, I wonder what he's going to be doing. Um, <laughs> I, I, I honestly don't know because we are in the middle of another multiverse show with Loki. And um, you know, we had The Flash earlier this year. And Rick and Morty's coming back at the in a week or two, so uh, we are in. Um, we're going to be in multiverse burnout pretty soon, I feel. But uh, Invincible seems to be going kind of all in on season two here, if you will. Yeah, I mean the first season was great. I'm, you, I, I, Chris, I know you you read the the comic books, so yeah. you know the story. You probably know how the first season ends, but it is pretty fun to see it yeah. um, animated to screen because it's very brutal and yeah. very crazy. Absolutely, yeah, and like I said, it's not indicative. I, I just read the story, so I was like, it's hard to sit down for 40 minutes for these, but 
Um, sometimes in the winter, I find more time because I, I'm not going outside and doing stuff. So it might be able to, to wrap it up because Invincible Season 2 comes to Prime on November 11th, Mike. So um, that's great. And I know, um, I think they were doing Season 3 at the same time. So we probably won't have a, as long of a wait for Season 3 for Invincible. Yeah, and they had that, um, they had that like little secret special like drop. A- it was like a- Adam like Eve. A mini- yeah, it was like a mini-sode or mini-movie yep. or something. I still need to catch that. Yeah. So um, yeah, absolutely. I, I think I think you know with the stack list of voice actors. Oh, this is going to oh be a, a show to watch. And, s- and speaking of Amazon, we still need to check out uh, Gen V as well. Maybe we'll like just wait till they're all out. And I like, binge them. I'm not, I'm not watching Gen V, but I'll let you do that. I, I'm I'm against spinoff shows at this point, so <laughs> I will let you watch Gen V. Uh, but I'm I don't. Come on. I, what- well, I'm guessing I can't sell you on the reboot of Frasier, which would be the reboot of a spinoff of Well, Cheers. I tried to watch Frasier when I got Paramount Plus when it launched a couple years ago. Made it one episode in, and I just it's not for me, and I understand that. I, I have friends who love the show and live the show, and I, I that is awesome well, for them. But maybe if Seinfeld I, did a, re, uh, a, a reboot series, maybe. I, I, won't, I won't say this for, for, uh, for your ears, Chris, because yeah. – because I, I know you're, you're your own man. You like to watch what you like to watch. So I yeah. won't try to convince you. But I'll say this to the general audience out there. If you're watching any sort of television show or sitcom, especially like from the 90s, they, they are very much fit in to like the classic TV production cycle of pilot first. Mm-hmm. And then they write the rest of the show. And a lot of time those shows do not really find their groove until you're like in episode it- like 10 or 12. So uh, don't never rely on the first episode, which we've been trained now in modern times that that is all you, that is everything has to go into that first episode. Yeah. So back in the day, a little different. Well, I, I, absolutely. And I, I, again, I just, I, I didn't drive it. It's like, it's like, um, I just had a conversation this week about parks and rec. I, uh, the first season didn't do it for me. I know the first season sucks and the second season gets better. I just don't feel like investing the time. Uh, so well, yeah, it, that's a whole other thing. Talk about an ask somebody like hey i know there's a thousand things that you could watch but i think i'd rather you watch eight more episodes of fraser and then i'll think you start liking it yeah, so, yeah. i yeah, think you i'll just, just scroll on my phone unfortunately yeah that back when shows were 26 episodes a season uh we need you to to really buckle up for half a season before you enjoy it um but i feel the same way and when talking about the clone wars tv show i'm like the show started for kids the movie was for kids and it gets more adult so uh you know, a watch list is helpful for some stuff like that, right? Hey, this will help really get into it. But um, yes, back to it. Invincible comes out November 11th next month. So uh, hopefully we go from Invincible to Frasier. To Frasier. That's, yeah. that's why you listen. That's why you listen to us. Yeah. yeah, we get there. We get there. And again, if you like it, great. If you don't like it, even better. Ha- have a good time. Uh, the Batman 2, Mike. I, we've, this has kind of been quiet on the DC front lately. Um, but the rumors are that Hush might be the main villain. And we reported this, like, I feel like a year and a half ago. Um, mm. Because there's, like, a, the reporter in the first film has, like, a name. And the character Hush is, like, a childhood friend of Bruce Wayne. Um, so all the stuff lines up that it could be it. Now, I will tell you, we're in an interesting little era of uh, quote-unquote rumors. Because there's nothing going on. There hasn't been anything going on with writers for, what, four months before it was, mm. you know... Um, alleviated. The actors are still on strike, so that's not in production. I feel people are just making shit up at this point <laughs> to, to cover like the actual lack of news coming out, to be honest. Like, hey, you know, we talked about Hush a year and a half ago. 
uh, let's bring it back up again, right? Because no one said anything about the Batman. So yeah, that could be it. But also, like the rumor does kind of, I feel like it makes sense if you're trying to like predict it, right? Yeah. You know, Matt Reeves is making like what the twentieth Batman movie that's the, ever been. It's made. even so, more realistic than Christopher Nolan's Batman. Yeah. How more? How much more lifelike can we make these movies? Yeah. So it's just like, yeah, you can't really go back to the old roster. Well, you can because he did yeah. with the Riddler, I guess. But I mean, the Hush Joker. really seems. Yeah, Hush really seems like a character that would fit into that universe but yeah mm-hmm. i'm really curious what happens with uh these reese batman movies now in the um gun and saffron universe yeah. but i guess we'll see how much money uh the second joker movie makes and uh, that might kind of yeah predict if we get more fractured movies or not yeah i mean uh, again with the joker made like a billion dollars or something right um you know yeah. warner brothers is a company for making movies and we're gonna talk about the joker actually uh this is the sequel here with the new image from Todd Phillips. But yeah, absolutely. If it makes money, they're going to hopefully green light it. Right. We're going to get more mm-hmm. of it, whether we like it or not. Um, but Todd Phillips was sharing um, uh, last week, uh, a four year anniversary since the Joker. It doesn't feel like it's been that long. If I'm going to be yeah. completely honest, um, boy, did the pandemic do a number on us. Uh, but <laughs> um, you know, they have, it's also uh, the one year anniversary until the second one comes out. So we are, it's still, just a hair under a year away for the Joker too, with um, obviously Joaquin Phoenix as uh, the Joker and um, Lady Gaga as uh, Harley Quinn in this mm-hmm. one. So I, I just kind of I, I don't know what it's gonna do, and I'm I'm very curious, right? We've heard all those rumors. Is it a musical movie? Uh, you know what is it? And I I I want to see a trailer. I'm I'm interested. They 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 have me uh, on a hook with this one, Mike. Yeah, I don't know it's how you like feel. how much. Like, how much life does this, like, possible specific character and universe have, right? It's almost like, is two movies it? Do we wrap up the story here and this is perfect? Uh, do we keep it going? Is this, like, the going to be, like, the breaking uh-huh. bad of the DC universe where it's this amazing film? I mean, it's won awards. It's made money. It, it's it, what every movie studio wants uh-huh. their movie to do. I mean, as for the image itself, it's it's just uh joaquin phoenix just looking up while it's raining and he's got some colorful umbrellas around him so not much to take from this for sure but yeah i I do often forget that this movie franchise that's bludgeoning exists and then some sort of like grungy photo of these two actors shows up on the internet and i go oh yeah that's right they're making a sequel Uh, yeah yeah that very 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 base hush hush on the sequel too right like there's not a lot of details about this um Mm. so people like to speculate um so yes, the two non DC EU or DCU movies um, <laughs> are the only things with notes this week. I, I do know Aquaman is coming up. Um, there's the my favorite rumor is like, oh, Jason Momoa is a lock to be Lobo. I'm like, no, no one's no one's making contract deals while the the, mm-hmm. the actor strike is down. So quit 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 putting that out there. But um, we're probably pretty close to ticket sales on that too. So we'll. We'll tell you guys when that happens, if you want to rush out and do it, or if you want to, you know, walk out in the middle of it, like all the rumors suggest at this point. All right, let's shift some gears into Star Wars land a little bit before. We have a soak at the end of the show, but we're going to talk about this, the Acolyte TV show, the High Republic series, Mike. Right? This is a pre-prequels, to give you a little bit of error, 100 mm-hmm. years or so before the prequels. I showed you a clip of the leaked trailer that was online. Yes. It's uh, a good thing I watched it when you sent it to me, too. <laughs> yeah, uh, because uh, – is it down already? Uh, I don't – Oh, like yeah. Put it, oh, okay. 
So yeah, the the Reddit removed by the le- Reddit's legal operations team. So I, I'm gonna have to remove this link. However, Mike, can you describe what you saw? Because I feel it is the absolute epitome of like I'm like this is what's gonna hook Mike into the show right here. Yeah. Well, it's a uh, it's cam footage for sure, but I was kind of impressed by the editing of the cam footage. It seemed like somebody out there find, found a couple different angles and kind of st- stitched them together so you can kind of watch the full trailer. Uh, but yeah, you do get a rousing moment at the end with a bunch of people turning on lightsabers of all different shades of colors. I swear it looked like I saw an orange one, mm-hmm. which led me to believe like, oh yeah, I haven't really seen an orange lightsaber uh, before. So I don't know where that's gone in the um, in the lexicon of Star Wars in a while. But yeah. um, the Acolyte, I'm curious about this High Republic era, that's for yeah. sure. Um, because it like... It's far enough removed to be its own thing, but also like there's I feel like there's just so much there's just so much big brain topics that you can talk about in Star Wars now. There's so many things being juggled like I am glad that I'm not Kathleen Kennedy because uh, uh, it's I feel like it's got to be a tough job right now. Like what yeah. what are you green lighting? What are you focusing on? What are you putting energy into like? I would have assumed if I was in charge, uh, you can Andor or you don't, or you don't give it any sort of resources and just let it die on the vine so we can all concentrate on the Mandalorian era. But lo and behold, the show's amazing. So it's right. like, well, now I don't want that era to go away. But they're planning the acolyte, you know, with this High Republic era that they already kind of pre-announced with like novelizations like a yeah. year or two ago. Oh no, it's and been like five. <laughs> they're on phase three of the High Republic already. Oh like, wow, like, yeah. like yeah, they've they've been in it pretty pretty hardcore for and a then hot minute. Who and then who is it, James? Angle that's supposed to be doing that like yeah the three Messiah movies of the Jedi like the very first like well, yeah year zero kind of Star Wars I yeah guess. there's the three movies right the year zero the episode ten and the the Dave Filoni stuff so yeah like all yeah, of, it's, it's just, really all like trying trying to build a timeline out of your your products whenever yeah. you're not consistently moving forward yeah obviously the big shot of all the lightsabers is cool yeah I like lightsabers they're fun and cool and uh but like. They gotta find it's. I it's hard to find new and interesting things to do with lightsabers. Me. I've noticed recently. Like yeah. we 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 mentioned one thing that happened in an episode of Soka a couple weeks ago where they just handled the lightsaber a little bit differently. But um, I I'm hoping that we get something. The, we get something a little new and creative. What I like about the High Republic era is um, it's it's not the prequels where it's all legal stuff and the Jedi are now like police enforcers, right? When I read the High Republic books, like there are hundreds and thousands of Jedi doing cool stuff across the universe, and they they, they lean back into the not the notion that like Jedi have like each Jedi has like a different power, right? Like, oh, like someone can like you know uh, you've played the High or not High Republic uh, Jedi Fallen Order games, right? Like mm-hmm. where Cal can like touch something and, and feel like a ghost or like a, like what happened here previously kind of ability, mm-hmm. like it's one of his abilities. So, like, they always, like, they're going to have a lot more unique skills, and there's going to be more than just humanoid Jedis uh, with that. Now, the other part about this trailer is the first part, and and I only sent Mike this one clip before I send the full one, is, you know, we have a pretty cool, like, I guess more like a hand-to-hand fight scene uh, in a bar earlier on with Carrie Ann Moss and um, I I believe one of the the other main leads of the the show. So, I, I feel, you know, this leans into, there's also a lot more aliens in this as well. 
So it's it's leaning. I say I wouldn't say away from Andor, but it's got like the Andor sensibilities of the locales and stuff like it. But it is not. Hey, we're just humans, right? Like the the Republic is xenophobic and only wants humanoids in their organization. And this was hundred years ago before that, so they can actually lean on maybe some alien species, as as you've heard my complaints before with that. So, <laughs> um, I, I I'm excited to see the act. I, I I like that again. You mentioned the only thing. The last thing I is it's not touched by anything. It doesn't have to connect to a movie. It doesn't have to pick up where anything else is. If you've read the books, you'll probably get some more stuff, you know, from the, from the higher public here. But, like, it's not like, hey, we have to fit in a window and not touch the start of the beginning, right? Like, we can do whatever we want here at the end of it. So, we'll see that. Um, the next couple bits of news we're going to talk about. One is Star Wars. But the interesting parts about all this is Marvel slash Disney slash Star Wars has filed a copyright office notes um and if you're familiar when you do projects you have to file a copyright um to you know secure a copyright so people can't do the exact same thing later right so a lot of news dropped out of these copyright notes including stuff for skeleton crew mike the jude law uh, series that's coming up for star wars that that's uh, the um uh not mark not mark webb the other spider-man director John Watts? Yeah, right? John Watts. Yeah, John Watts. Okay, an, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think at least an episode or two, right? Um, I think they did uh, two times three, yeah. But uh, the estimated arrival is actually January 2024. It could be a placeholder, say, in the first of the year. But um, that kind of makes it the next Star Wars property, right? We're kind of out of Star Wars for a little bit. Uh, and we don't know when the next one is. But this copyright filing seems to indicate uh, January 24. And uh, with all these comes a little, little synopsis, Mike. So... In the first episode of Skeleton Crew, we're introduced to four kids who make a mysterious discovery on their seemingly safe home planet and get lost in a strange and dangerous galaxy. Finding their way home, meeting unlikely allies and enemies will be a greater adventure than they ever imagined. So, um, do you feel that this will be connected to the Ahsoka show or the Filoni movie, or do you think it's going to be standalone? Because it it takes place in the Filoni Mandalorian era. Yeah, I would... I would think it ladders up just because I don't remember where I remember catching this, but it was like an interview with um, uh, with John Favreau where he was kind of talking about when he was on set for um, one of the Spider-Man movies. I think maybe it was Far From Home, uh-huh. uh, and he was just chatting with John Watts, and John Watts just had this idea of like, oh, wouldn't it be cool, you know, if like these like you know these kids were like runaways or something like that. He was basically yeah. just kind of like pitching it one off. And if you're pitching it to John Favreau, who can, you know, connect you with Kathleen Kennedy, but also I'm sure John Watts does not need John Favreau to knock on that door anyway. But basically this was just an idea that could have been placed literally anywhere, right? It didn't have to be rooted in the Mando timeline, but it seemed like, hey, let's put it there for a reason. So my guess is if all of this Filoni stuff is supposed to culminate in a big feature film, yeah, yeah, I would think like scoop up all of these Disney Plus series that it's existing at the same time time and ladder up to a big feature film that you can make a billion dollars off of yeah and i hope um people you know i don't think this is a spoiler for ahsoka but if you've not seen ahsoka you know use the time codes but you know there is another universe in ahsoka right like another galaxy mm-hmm. uh not universe galaxy is this part of that trajectory is this somehow intertwined with this other galaxy right um the kind of thing because they 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 are lost in a strange and dangerous galaxy is it their own or is it another one Right. Is it tied to that somehow? Um, mm-hmm. Because obviously 
uh, Jude Law is a Jedi in this show, uh, obviously undercover. So um, could could he have a connection to Ahsoka who's been around the galaxy, right? Maybe reconnecting with Jedi, hiding Jedi. So uh, I, I feel it could easily be connected to those uh, and bring it together. And then, you know, I'm interested to see the kids, uh, again, what their abilities are, what, what it is. This is a very interesting movie. We don't get a lot of kid-focused stuff in Star Wars right now, right, with the uh, live action. So um, very big question mark. But I'm excited to, to hear that they have some stuff on on, on the plate, and it's going to be probably dropping sooner than later. Let's shift to Marvel uh, for, for I, almost, what, the rest of the show? Almost, almost the rest of the show. We have one more. We have a soak at the end, and then the uh, rest is Marvel. But Werewolf by Night, the color version, Mike, is coming on Friday, October 20th on Disney+. Plus. Just a different version. You go in there, select Werewolf by Night. You can watch the original black and white or the color version. And um, you have a little trailer in the show notes here. And, um, well, some people are like, well, why would you do that to the original? Uh, you know, the black and white was awesome and powerful. went to color at the end. I'm like, yeah, but when you look at this color, guess what? It looks like old movie coloring. It's not... Like, hey, we just turned off the color to make the movie. Like, it looks like there's some other stuff going on here to give it that vintage horror effect. And I think we've talked about that before. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think you're watching it currently, but um, yes, I'm, I'm I'm clicking through it now. Yeah, because all of the colors are very vibrant and saturated, but you still have a lot of that grain and uh, more specifically, like the color bloom. Yes, exactly. It well. Yeah, it looks like, you know, when you look at something like it, the, it looks like it's reflecting off a lens onto film, like they used to make mm-hmm. old horror movies with. And you, you see that, that kind of uh, glow and then the, um, you see chromatic aberrations, right? Like the little, the blue and red lines around some of it that shouldn't be there uh, if, if they were making it perfect. So I, I think it could be, again, some digitally added effects, but I don't think it's a cheap cash in. Um, not that there would be a cash in it's free on Disney plus if you have Disney plus, but it, it's going to give me a really good reason to rewatch this at the end of the day. Cause I, I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't after Halloween, I don't, you know, I'm not, I'm not into watching spooky stuff. So I think this will be a fun re- rewatch a year later. Yeah, I agree. I, I wish they did more of these one shots. I, I know we're probably not going to get them, but I think I thought they were really cool while we did that. All right, so back into uh, Agatha the Darkhold Diaries. Copyright office revealing dates and more. Uh, Agatha the Darkhold Diaries, we are looking at almost a year away. September 19th, 2024, Mike, is the estimated debut date for this show. Yeah, uh, and I think we're going to, I think we'll probably dive in a little bit deeper to like release dates in general for mm-hmm. Marvel projects here when we get to Daredevil uh, Born Again. Yep. But it just seems like everything is still shifting and moving. Nothing is set in stone and uh, concrete. And I, I'm going to go ahead and just say like it, this is just how Hollywood is always going to be for yep. now. Like it never benefits anybody really to set a concrete release date for anything anymore. Yeah. If you're as a studio, as a whole, you can kind of squat on a release date and just say it's an unreleased Marvel movie coming out. And then DC will pick a different weekend. Right. But yeah, I do not hold my breath with release dates anymore. And also like we were talking about the top of the show with, there's so much stuff out there to watch. I don't really have to sit around and wait and anticipate for anything anymore. Any weekend I turn on any streamer that I have and there's something brand new. So it's just, it's a feast out there right now. Even after like a pandemic and a strike, there's still new stuff coming out. So exactly. And and that's, you know, I, I, um, now all this stuff came out before the daredevil stuff, just, um, so everyone knows because you're, you're hearing it as we talk through it, but this came out about a week before. 
one of the interesting things that you mentioned is you know these dates changing and shifting but you know we are seeing the um the um oh my gosh who was the old ceo of disney who was like content we're seeing the chapek stuff be pushed really right because he was like content 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 they're going to keep our streamers well he's being sued for lying about how many streamers were actually on the service so can we really trust that so hopefully they are taking the quantity quality over quantity approach and um, all the stuff that we were promised for the, this year under the Chapek era has been shifted, delayed. Really, we also have two strikes, and um, you know, just everything else. So I'm I'm okay with waiting as well. But anyway, Dark Old Diary, September of next year, just in time for spooky season next year, Mike. That sounds right for this, doesn't? That sounds like a really mm-hmm. good release date. In the first episode, we see Agatha finally break out of a spell she has been trapped in. She can't wait to go back to her old murderous ways, only to find she is powerless. The only way forward for her is to embark on a perilous quest to get her powers back with the help of an unlikely friend or two. So, uh, looks like she's going to be dealing with the fallout of, uh, again, um, the Multiverse of Madness, uh, getting her powers, finding out she has no powers, and be coming back along the way. Do you think this is going to be another heel-turn character, Mike? Because they obviously, her old murderous ways, they wouldn't make a murderer the main focus of a show. Um, I mean, everyone really loved her. I mean, from the, from the brief flashback we got of her origin, you know, it's kind of one of those misunderstood villains of just like, well, if they weren't a a dick to, if they didn't try to murder her, right. I think she would have, she wouldn't have turned evil. Uh, Hopefully they use this as an opportunity to tell a really interesting story of the origin of magic in the Mm -hmm. Marvel universe. Right. You know, we got a little bit of that Dr. Strange stuff from his first movie, but they kind of just said like magic's kind of always been here and we've been the protector of all this in our like secret, you know, mountain hideaway. But like, how did it get to like Salem, Massachusetts? Right. Like the obviously was not locked down. If just some pilgrims could start messing around with it, you know, the, the, yeah, what are the different magic you know levels, right? And how do they work, uh, kind of thing. So yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I, I think to me they're trying to Loki the character a little bit, right? Um, how Loki was a, a villain, and then people really latched onto him, and then like, okay, well, mm-hmm. well we'll turn him. But hopefully they just don't do it in the next her next appearance. Like maybe give her a little bit of time before she's like, mm-hmm. oh, I now see you know the errors of my ways. I can be a force for good. But um, obviously we love Catherine Han. The the show was great. They they're doing the name things possibly on purpose. We don't know. A uh, lot a lot of questions here, but it sounds like we're going to be getting it next year, Mike. Um, I'm guessing New York Comic Con's going on right now. There's no movie news coming out of there. Uh, they announced three more Ultimate Universe comic books, though. If, they, if you're interested <laughs> in that, but no movie news. So I'm going to guess that um, if they go to San Diego Comic Con next year, Mike, if that's still a thing, we will get news. But if not, I really feel we're going to need a fall. One of those big Disney videos where they do like two-hour videos and announce all their stuff, right, coming oh, up. Th- those those were the days. Those were fun. Yeah, I remember th- those. They they put some time and energy into it, and you felt everyone felt hyped together. So, we cross our fingers. Another show I forgot even entirely existed was Spider-Man Freshman Year, the animated show. Oh right? yeah. <laughs> um, the ETA for this is November second, twenty twenty-four. Uh, which is very soon after Agatha Darkhold Diaries, but it's animated and then an alternate universe, right? Um, it says here, uh, Spider-Man freshman year, in which Peter Parker's life, while getting ready for his high school orientation, is forever changed by events that send him on a journey like none other before. In the first episode, we discovered the new era of Spider-Man begins here. Like this is where we we learned that you know he's going to be under the tutelage of Norman Osborn. All his suits are different. The villains are going to be a little different, right? So. 
um, it's not going to be uh, set in the MCU, more of a multiverse scenario. So I don't care that it comes after Dark Hole Diaries, but boy, they really got to sell us on this show, uh, right, to watch it. What does it mean? Is there any, any is there any consequences in the show, Mike, at the end of the day? Or is it yeah, just a I, little I, fun little thing we're doing? Well, I mean, we always talk about the battle between Sony and Marvel all the time, right? And how they yeah. seem to have a symbiotic relationship. <laughs> Pun intended there with symbiotic. Spider-Man 2 but, on Friday. <laughs> but yeah, it does make me wonder, like, if the show is really, really popular and kind of breaks away from just like the the 2D animated, like spectacular Spider-Mans of the world, if they can elevate it in a way and maybe convince a broader audience of like, oh, this is like a Spider-Verse TV show in a way, right? You don't, uh-huh. n- you don't have to wait for, I don't know, some random Amazon Prime Spider-Man show, right, to pop up on there. We got the goods over here. That gives them more leverage with Sony, that's for sure, of just like, hey, we're basically making Spider-Man every way you can right. that you can't. So, you know, maybe we're starting to squeeze you a little bit more. At least that's how I think about it. Uh, but, yeah, as outside of that, it does seem like – it seems like old Disney plus strategy to me, right? right? It doesn't seem like if this is a decision that they would be making right now, brand new. Yeah. It seems like something that's stuck around. It's already been in production. So they got to put it out there. It'll be one and, of those things where and, we'll see how it goes and then they'll move forward. Maybe. Well, and maybe Sony's footing some of the bill, right? Um, and, and that makes it easier to swallow on streaming shows uh, when someone else is doing that because a sequel series, Spider-Man sophomore year is already in development. So, you know, do you feel like they're going to commit to this and kind of do a little four-season thing? They're just going to do the two, drop it off? I, I don't know. But hopefully, you know, it's it's more than just fun that we actually get to see something kind of spin out of this a little bit in, into the, the multiverse at large. Um, maybe mm-hmm. he pops up in, in uh, King Dynasty or Secret Wars as a little animated dude. I don't know. But um, we'll keep you guys posted as any more of that comes along. Now into some meat and potatoes of the show, Mike. Uh, this is the biggest news I think we had in a long time. And this is Daredevil Born Again. And if you've not heard, the writing team and directors were let go from Daredevil in September in a quote-unquote creative reboot for the series. Now, mind you, this is not scoopers. This is not rumors. This is from THR directly with interviews from people at Marvel, Mike. So yeah, like, this is not this, like speculation. This is what we have as fact today. Yeah. Now, and also this isn't like Chris was saying, this isn't just like a rumor mill article, like drummed up on some random, like MCU, MCU, like Instagram fan page, right? This is a fully detailed, just expose on Marvel television at a whole. And the biggest juiciest news uh, for sure is coming from Daredevil Born Again, because it's the biggest project happening over there. And the biggest project project being, essentially rewritten for the most part they, they yeah. have said that they are going to try to keep some of the stuff that they've already filmed but it, they are totally changing strategic direction not just with the show with the whole landscape of daredevil born again and yeah. all of their tv shows yes yeah, so first and foremost we'll talk about daredevil uh, born again because that seemed to be the i would say maybe the catalyst for everything right yeah uh, and, and that it was, in fact, a legal procedural way different than the Netflix version of Daredevil, the three seasons that we saw. And they even said that you don't even see Matt Murdock in the Daredevil costume until episode four, even, of an 18-episode yeah. series. So, And that that's, that's pretty rough. I mean, that's something that you could kind of get away with the very first time you walk Daredevil out onto a streamer, right? Because he technically did not have his red devil costume 
until the last portion of the first season of Netflix. But he was in like a proto suit earlier than that, right? But yeah. we all we already saw him in his yellow suit in She-Hulk. I don't want him out of the suit again, right? You know, yeah. he's got to be Daredevil in episode one it, at it, some point. Well, the show was Daredevil. If the show was Matt Murdock born again, right, or something like that, maybe, maybe even better. Like, it's, hey, we're going to focus on Matt Murdock. But we're watching superhero shows. We don't want to not see the superhero. Uh, and he was yeah. in, again, you mentioned She-Hulk, right, for, for at least two episodes. Uh, he's in Spider-Man: Far From Home, or no, or No Way Home. Like, we're not hiding him. We know who he is. We know what he's going to be doing. Like, you don't need yeah. to, to beat around the bush. Yeah. Um, and I don't hate the idea of it being a legal procedural either. I think that would be fun as long as the legal yeah. cases are competent and intriguing. Because in She-Hulk, right, you could kind of play tongue in cheek with some of the court cases because it was supposed yeah. to be comedic and kind of silly and funny like, and you could kind of just hand wave away some mm-hmm. of the things like that's not how I'm not a lawyer but I know that that's not how a courtroom works yeah. so hopefully they'll get a little bit grittier in the courtroom and, with Daredevil and, and the focus of She-Hulk wasn't necessarily that she was a lawyer but that she was a woman who unexpectedly got Hulk powers and is dealing with that rather than mm-hmm. the court cases and Matt Murdock's obviously a lawyer like that's he his whole livelihood depends on that so absolutely um, I'm going to read off the, I'm going to jump to the bottom of the, so the synopsis that also came out with the, the creative or the um, the copyright stuff is that rivals Matt Murdock and Wilson Fisk try to leave behind their darker alter egos to serve the people of New York only to have their past catch up to them. In the first episode of the series, we are reintroduced to the world of Daredevil. Uh, and then also in January 2025 is an estimated release window. Now, this was the week before this news article came out, which means it was after all the, the shakeup has already happened, Mike, right? Mm-hmm. So I feel they have a path to get this to this synopsis and to this window. Um, without everything else going on. But we're going to talk about it. One of the things I've heard from someone, and you can corroborate this, Mike, is that um, in Marvel, in their TV shows, Secret Invasion, we talked about this, not impressed, right, at the end of the day. It just was a show. Mm -hmm. It wasn't that good. We can tell there were reshoots. We can tell where the the flaws were. The cracks were on the the surface for once. And the biggest problems on the show, that there there were movie executives vying for control of the series behind the scenes, right? Yeah, that was the word going around town out here whenever you would, you know, meet up with somebody for coffee or dinner. Uh, That's just the vibe out there of just like there there seems to be just a totally different structure that is running Marvel television that is so unlike the rest of the way Hollywood has been making television. Now, obviously, there's two schools of thought here right you know you can't punish somebody necessarily for trying to think different and move differently right you know the mcu is this big interconnected universe right and they got there from being relatively unorthodox nobody else was doing that out there in cinema and obviously the big uh inner 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 working gears that built that universe on the um you know on the backside of production was revolutionary to crank out that stuff so i get it you're gonna start making tv let's try to port over this movie success into the production of television i mean essentially it's all cameras and scripts right just in different quantities right so i i get that so i don't i don't blame them for attempting something, right? right? But this is what you do when things don't the, work out. You got to shiv it and pivot and pivot and now they're going to do so, they're trying to create a more traditional streamline of yeah. just uh showrunners, well, producers, yeah. and writers when before it was just these executives kicking down the door kind of 
waving yeah. their movies, proverbial Hulk fist around. Yeah, movies are different, right? You have like you only have a couple of names attached to it. You know, a lot of executive producers are like, "Hey, I helped with did something this." You know, you 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 can't cause uh, you know the the you lose a through line, and that's kind of what we have here. Um, Marvel Disney's overhauling these because there is no creative through line through this, right? It's traditionally been. Um, in the movie, you have a writer, you, the writer turns in a script to the director, the director films the movie, and then they get to the editing, and then the, the higher-ups at Marvel fix the film and post, if you will, right? Like, hey, uh, some of this didn't work, we're going we're, we're gonna to rejigger it. Well, you can't do that with TV, right? You don't film your, your episodes in order all the time. If you make a change in episode six, will that affect something you did in episode one or vice versa? So yeah. they really, you know, the writer to director to post doesn't work in television like it does in movies. And that's something that they're, you mentioned, they're bringing in TV showrunners, not film executives, to make this work from start to finish rather than, you know, have three very siloed, non-talking, non-connected points along the way. Yeah, I'm just gra- I'm just glad that somebody over there has noticed that it's not working, yeah. right? And there's in this um, THR article that there's a graph that shows watch time uh, breakdown for all of the Marvel Disney Plus series, and you can see the watch time diminish basically chronologically almost for as these shows were released. So just the uh, the appetite for these Marvel shows has just plummeted as they have started to put them out because I think they're starting to come to the the hypothesis that the quality is just dipping, right? Well, I mean, obviously, yeah. yeah, there's always like that, those minorities that are going to complain that they're making a show, you know, about a woman or whatever, right? But Captain Marvel was the same thing, but that movie still made like a billion dollars, right? right? So I don't think it has anything to do with, you know, I'm sure some crazy person on YouTube is probably screaming about like the woke mind virus is destroying Marvel. Like that's not it. It's no. just you've got to increase the quality of your stories. WandaVision is about Wanda. <laughs> the, yeah. Literally, like 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 a woman. And it's one of the better shows, right? Loki is about a villain. It's great. You know, say what you will about Captain America, uh, the Falcon, and the Winter Soldier, whatever. Yeah, the Falcon Winter Soldier. You know, it still you know has some good stuff. But, like, when you get to the point you're making too much content and you're doing it in a wrong way where everyone is, like, the writers are getting shuffled out, the directors are getting shuffled out, the producers are, are fighting over the edits you're gonna get shit at the end of it right too many cooks mm-hmm. in the kitchen makes a is just a recipe for disaster one of the other things here uh, other than having full-time tv execs uh, attached to these rather than film executives which is a great great idea is that they're leaning into the multi-season shows mike and away from limited series formats um because what happened at the end i'm going to use secret invasion as an example because fresh in my mind at the end of Secret Invasion, we had literally 20 minutes to wrap up the whole show, right? It, because the it was a limited series and it was going to be done. So we got a very shitty battle with these two super scrolls, if you will, that happened so quick and so fast. And it's not very satisfying. It's not fulfilling. And you're like, well, where are they going to end up next? Do we know? I don't know. So why do I care about these characters? Will they ever appear mm-hmm. again? So leaning into multi-season shows... Um, and away from this, we'll help build those characters up over time and help us get to know them better rather than yeah, just it, a couple scenes here and there. Yeah, it seemed like they were basically like, let's make limited series shows, and if they pop off enough, we'll make another season of it, which I feel like is just not a good approach going into it. Traditionally, when you pitch TV shows in Hollywood, you pitch them the first season, and then you also pitch where it could possibly go in the future because they want 
a catalog here. Mm-hmm. And this this brings it to a whole just as streaming in general. It seems like the last like God, I don't even know what ten years of streaming has just been get as many subscribers as possible any way you can do it as fast as possible we have all of this influx of money so spray and pray make as much as you can we don't care how long any of it lasts but now you you end up with these extremely lackluster catalogs right and we're starting to see netflix start to buy properties from other streamers like you can watch um uh, not The Last of Us. There's something else pretty premium that you can watch on Netflix right now that's like an HBO show, mm-hmm. which is pretty wild. But what's going to happen when Netflix wants to do that? Like, who's going to like who's gonna license, like, three seasons of the Santa Clarita Diet from Netflix when there's no ending to it, right? Yeah. I'm not going to – like, I wouldn't do that if I was a streamer. Yeah. Also, I really like the Santa Clarita Diet, so I hope somehow that they can make more of it and wrap up the show. Right. But like, there's nothing of quality for them to sell out there into the world. So I feel like this is motivation for Hollywood to be like, okay, if it doesn't work, cancel it after one season. But if it's got enough gas in it, at least give us a proper ending so you have something to sell off to like a Roku TV we, or a Pluto or something. We are right? we are in an era where you literally could just do a one-off 40 minute episode of stuff and be wrap up your stories and no one's doing it. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you know how much, much good publicity you would get for doing that for those fans. Like, Hey, we're going to make just a one-off episode to wrap up the show for, for, for these people. So you can, like you mentioned, sell those packaged deals at the end of the day. One of the quotes here, and this is, this is huge is, um, and, and maybe I think we've even mentioned it before is that these TV series quote, should it should work beyond the fact that it ties into other projects or if they're going to be a movie or even set up an Avengers film, right? Like you, you shouldn't have shows that just exist um, because they're going to tie into another project or, Hey, we need to do a show here because they're going to be in a movie later. Like WandaVision set up Dr. Strange um, multiverse of madness. Uh, there's a little bit of a, you know, obviously time gap in there because of delays and stuff like that. But you know, that's what it did, but you know, that's good. There, there shouldn't be, like, you know, I feel Cap- the Falcon Winter Soldier, that's been several years now, we're getting Captain America 4, should we be, do- we should be doing more with those characters in the meantime, right? Like, are you going to go back and rewatch that before you go watch that movie? I'm not. No, like, I'm like, not. Like, like, like <laughs> there should be more to be done with these things, right? And, like, obviously, there are complaints about that show. Maybe if they listened to it and did a second series, they could fix some of those problems before they get into the movie, right? So you're not left with a... I wouldn't say like a bitter taste, but like, like eh, I didn't really care too much for that. How's this going to tie off? So I'm, I'm very excited for this, that they've, uh, you know, they've taken this approach and did it. Now I will say the executive, the, the writing team, and I believe the directors are getting executive producer credit on Daredevil Born Again, by the way. So it's not like they're just fired unceremoniously last month, um, month and a half ago, whenever it was. So they are still getting credit for it, but it is good that people, or at least Marvel higher-ups, whether it's Kevin Feige, whether it's Bob Iger, whoever it is over there, they have another team of producers too, are saying, hey, we've got problems. Where are the problems, and how can we fix them now going forward? Um, It does not give me too much... You know, hope for I would say honestly, if I'm gonna be honest, uh, how, the Agatha series and Ironheart and Echo, because those were done before this. So I don't know when we'll start seeing the changes. Like, mm-hmm. um, do you think they're going to announce new things and get rid of some things to help facilitate this? 
Like what's the yeah, next step know. for them? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. This, I feel like just ultimately this phase of Marvel will be kind of known as a larger kind of like Thor, the dark world kind of age of Ultron phase mm-hmm. of like, you know, they went bigger. So when you go big, you're, you can have just as big problems to match your ambitions. Right. So I'm glad it's happening now and not later. Right. You can't biff secret wars, right? You can't build up like there's not a lot of big classic comic book storylines left. Right. They, they seem to be targeting all of the big splashier, you know, stories that all of the comic book nerds are, are wanting to see, right? There's other ones that you can do, but they're, you know, they're a little bit smaller. They're a little less well-known, like something like Annihilation or something like that. But once they do Secret Wars, there's going to be a huge catastrophic pivot. So they, they got to yeah. they gotta nail it if they want their billions and trillions of dollars to keep flowing in. Right. Yeah. So, so hopefully... Again, uh, Daredevil Born Again, if it hits January 2025, that'll be our first show. Um, but, you know, I, I feel phase, we're in phase five now, Mike, I believe. Phase five and six of Marvel are going to be dragged out through maybe 2030, a little longer than we anticipated, um, to backfill or to brace out the content, but also maybe fix some of the quality issues along the way so right. uh, if anything disney's got money to throw at it and so does marvel so hopefully they do and and do it right so um woohoo all right so in the meantime the marvels is our next uh movie is uh tickets are now on sale for this by the way mike if you hadn't got your tickets yet um so you can go get your tickets to the marvel uh the newest trailer slash they're not doing they didn't do a full trailer did like a minute thing teases a cameo slash friend of captain marvel's at the end of it they're like i called somebody and then it didn't show who it was so I'm pretty excited to see maybe who makes a cameo in this. So, um, oh yeah, um, I, I again this is like an hour forty five. So I'm pretty excited to see this kind of short genre of a film and see see how it works. Uh, after this is Deadpool three still for May if the actor strike um, maybe wraps up in time. So mm-hmm. um, we'll, we'll we'll cross our fingers and and see with that. And then after that I believe is uh, I think you mentioned Brave New World. So um, we've got a interesting 2024 lined up so marvels uh coming in november tickets now on sale uh you guys may have noticed our our thumbnail this week has uh, some classic marvel movie characters in it and this is where some early rumors well before all this other news came out uh was was dropped here a couple weeks ago but uh we're gonna talk about the avengers kang dynasty and secret wars and first off the rumor for kang dynasty is that the plot is similar to avengers infinity war with the Avengers taking on the Council of Kangs. Uh, and it's currently unknown which writers are working on this film as, you know, they, people are like, oh, they fired um, Jeff Loveness and stuff because we didn't like Ant-Man Quantumania. Uh, but also it was a writer strike, so no writers could really work. So we don't know where that is. But the next part is the Avengers Secret Wars, Mike. And the rumor for this movie is that the TVA sends in a group of collected heroes to defeat Kangs. And this team is led by Tommy Maguire's Spider-Man, Hugh Jackman's Wolverine, and Ryan Reynolds' Deadpool. Which I mean, would be wild. Is, 
I mean, that is a that is a dream comic book like one off trade crossover, right? I yeah. mean, that trio, that's something you buy and put on your shelf, and it's just like I'm gonna pull that out every couple of years and read that because it was just such a yeah. fun jaunt seeing all those characters interact together. Uh, yeah, I saw this news uh, last week when we put it in the show notes. And it's hard not to think about it while I've been watching Loki, right? Of just being like, okay, maybe the TVA does get bolstered. Because we kind of all thought that the TVA and the time stream and everything, basically the the fallout from season one of Loki was going to be so much bigger and so much more widespread by now. And mm. it really hasn't been. It seems to still be located primarily in Loki's universe. So yeah. I would love to see the TV TVA branch off and do more because it's, it, they're so interesting, you know? Yeah, it, well, exactly. And I think the, um, you know, we'll, we'll talk, we need to talk about Loki, uh, kind of explain the TVA, you know, a little bit. Um, but it, it, it sounds like, you know, the, this is what you do, right? If you're going to send off, all your historical stuff, the, the, the MCU phase one, two, three, four, five, six stuff before the MCU, you're going to send all these actors off before you recast them. You know, this sounds like a dream come true in this movie, if I'm going to be completely honest. And, um, if you spend the money, you, you've already, you've already brought, you know, Tobey Maguire back for far from home, right? You've proven you can get him. You're bringing Hugh Jackman back for Deadpool three. You've proven you can get him. Ryan Reynolds, you know, I don't think he's going to play Deadpool much longer, you know, right? You know, he's he's been successful with his uh, two movies and a third coming up. Put him in here, you send him off as well. So I'm very, very excited for this, um, if, if true. And how can we, you know, you know, what is what does it mean at the end of the day? I, I, I guess my question is, we've, we've talked about this, who's going to live, who's going to die, and what does that quote, quote, all new, all different Marvel look like post-Secret Wars? Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of the day, I, I would love to, you know, to me, I'm, I'm selfish, Mike. I would love to get, um, Wesley Snipes back for a blade cameo in there. <laughs> um, simply because we've had nothing from blade announced since, you know, we heard the announcement for five, four, five years ago, um, that, uh, Mahershala Ali was going to be blade. So I think he'd be fun to get him in there. What if we got, uh, Dolph Lundgren is the Punisher, right? Bring him back in from 1990. He's out, uh, selling, I don't know, probably crypto stuff on commercials right now. It was something I saw <laughs> earlier, but um, yeah. The, the, again, the minds run wild. This is this would be fun. So hopefully, uh, you know, we currently don't know who the writers are working on for this film, but hopefully, you know, we know Marvel's he- heating up their search for the Fantastic Four writers, probably the X Men writers. Oh, they have Fantastic Four. They're probably heating up for the X Men writers, and maybe they can um, really bring this together at the end of it. So. Uh, we'll keep you guys posted what we hear. Uh, we're going to jump into Deadpool real fast. I mentioned Taylor Swift at the top of the show. The rumor uh, two weeks ago was that Taylor Swift may have a role in Deadpool 3 after being spotted with both Hugh Jackman and Ryan Reynolds and his wife Blake Lively and the director slash producer Sean Levy at a, uh, I believe, a sports ball game a couple weeks ago. Yeah, that I mean, Taylor Swift, she's she is the moment right now, yeah. right? Her, her movie... I, I, I always want to say movie like in quotes because it's like it's a, a movie. It's but a like concert it's movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it made like nearly a hundred million dollars opening weekend. Like she needed any more money. Yeah. Right. And like she's at these football games next to celebrities all the time. looks like she's having a good time. She seemingly is dipping mm. her 
uh, chicken fingers and ranch. I mean, that that feels pretty down to earth for yeah. a mega star. But yeah, like I, it makes sense. It didn't work for the the cats movie. You know, the Taylor yeah. Swift bump wasn't enough there. But I got to imagine in Deadpool, it would be a welcomed cameo. Well, I think I think at the same <laughs> at the same time, I don't know if her the the levels for this were as high as they are right now, Mike for 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 Taylor Swift. Um, but she's rumored, she's always rumored to be Dazzler, a mutant who has the ability to create light slash energy beams from sound vibrations and singers. She's always played as like a glittery glam 80s singer in the comic book. So, um, sure. Why not? I, I, the, it, I, I would not be upset if they did it. I would not be upset if they didn't do this. Does that make sense at the end of the day? I'm like, if it gets, yeah. if it gets Deadpool more tickets sold, cause they got Taylor Swift, they got Brad Pitt for Deadpool too, for a second. So, I mean, uh, there's always opportunities to, to don't underestimate the influential abilities of, of Ryan Reynolds right mm-hmm. there. So, um, yes. All right. We're at the end of the show where we're going to talk about Loki and Ahsoka. So if you've not seen the first two episodes of Loki or the entire series of Ahsoka, please go away. Now, uh, we're just going to talk full spoilers. I don't, I don't think we need to, 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 to mince any words here and just get mm-hmm. it out of the way. Cause obviously if you're listening to the show, you're probably watch these shows, um, as well. Uh, if not, that's fine. Like I said, this way, but the time comes in here. But before we begin, the first four episode run times for Loki were revealed. Uh, obviously, episode one was 45 minutes, 39 without credits. Episode two was 49 minutes, 44 without credits. It's getting even longer. Next coming week with episode three is 53 minutes, 48 without. And episode four is 48 minutes, 45 without. These are pretty good run times. I like these. They, they don't dip towards the low 30s like the other shows did. So. Yeah, it felt solid. If you're going to be producing uh, kind of like a high budget, um, not si- science fiction, but it is kind of science fiction, I guess yeah. an action show. If you're dipping into the 30s, there better be some bombastic stuff happening on the screen, right? Your budget yeah. better be going somewhere. Right. Uh, I feel like, uh, yeah. does that mean episode three is going to be a little bit uh, more of a thinker? Yeah. I don't know. But I, uh, I just binged the first uh, two episodes uh, this morning and... Um, one thing that I, I forget, but I was reminded in the trailer, and I just love seeing it, and the production design of this show is mm-hmm. just worlds above anything else Marvel is doing, yeah. maybe outside of that first season of uh, WandaVision, yeah. right? There's just so much love happening on the screen. It, it just does not feel like you're putting characters in front of like a slap together set, or you're putting characters in front of a green screen and putting in things there later. It feels like they're really reacting to the stuff around them. I mean, I I adore that like time puffy spacesuit yeah, that yeah. Uh, Mobius had to put on, and it had that gigantic corrugated tube on the back of it. It did not need to be that big. There was no feasible reason it had to be that huge, but it was just so unique it, and like it, why not? <laughs> it has Tomorrowland vibes from like Disney, like the TVA does. Like, hey, this is what Tomorrowland would be if 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 you know, if, mm-hmm. if Dis- Walt Disney is still expanding that. So the TVA feels like that. Do you want to know a fun fact about production? I'll tell you. I, I read yes, today. I do. So Sylvie wears some acid-washed jeans, right, uh, mm-hmm. In when she's in the 70s. They cannot r- reproduce the same pair of acid-washed jeans exactly over and over again. It's impossible, right, because mm-hmm. it's all about time and acid. So they actually printed her acid-washed jeans. So she would still have the look of the era that she's in. I think it's 82, right? Um, uh-huh. while maintaining that outfit look every time she's on scene. Oh my god! Uh, so See, she that's, multiple that, pants. that's 
that's what I'm talking about. This is, I feel like Loki is truly one of the only Marvel Disney Plus shows that is just firing on all cylinders, right? The performances are great. I love the character interactions. I love like just the small little moments. It just, it truly feels like maybe uh, an executive barged into this show and took over, right? If it happened to the other shows, I don't see why it couldn't have happened to this one. But maybe this show was just lucky that the the executive that barged in was actually talented, right? Uh-huh. Or the the creator was able to have a better relationship with them and maybe tamper down some of the you know the big wig ideas. But it just I don't know why, but this one is working, and I wish after getting back into Loki after enjoying two episodes of season two, my opinion of everything else Marvel has done has just gone down even more because I was like, well, it's been a while since I've watched the other stuff. Maybe I'm being too critical of these other things. You know, maybe I should just lighten up, but no, I'm back in the season two of Loki. And like, this is how it should be. This is supposed to be what premium television feels like. Well, the, 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 I, and I say it helps because we've had literally 15 years of Loki, right? Like the character Loki, we know him for 15 years. You can't rush 15 years of development and six episodes, right, of other shows. And that is really, I, and I think that that comes across because we know what makes him tick. He knows what makes him tick. They In the last episode, episode two, there's the interrogation scene and he's like calling out, he's like, yeah, you've killed people. You took, you know, um, the, you know, you took New York hostage trying to defeat the world. You know, you're a bad, evil person. He's like, you know what? Maybe I am a bad, evil person. Uh, so like we have that history and it really kind of helped with that. I also really enjoyed that the first episode just picks up and goes, right? It starts with him mm-hmm. being chased by the TVA um, from the end of the first season, or in the first season, because he, he was in the the back, in the history, the past of the TVA. So I'm like, I was, I'm glad there wasn't like, hey, we need to slow things down for you and re-explain the world. They just went for it, and you're like, yep, he's being pulled between times. He's meeting uh, Kiwe Kwan's OB, who's a fun addition to this show. Oh, great character. Um, really, really fun. Awesome. The, uh, his, the, his little, I don't know the guy's name. He was listening to the same book on tape that Moon Knight was listening to, by the way. Um, the Oh, he was? Yeah, yeah, it's, my, a, it's the same one. What's his name? My my wife and I call him Pillboy because he played a character called Pillboy in The Good Place. So there it is, just yeah. Pillboy to us now. Yeah, yeah. So, so Pillboy, yeah, he, he, um... He's got like that. He's getting more to do, right? The obsession over, mm-hmm. over that. Um, again, I love the McDonald's scene. Very the, the scene in eighties McDonald's. Mike, throw me back, yeah. like to the, to that. The, the reproduction was great. I the the very um, loosely inspired real world crossover of that Loki sweet and sour sauce makes a little bit more sense now uh-huh. um, because I didn't realize it was going to be such a big, I mean, Mobius was really doing a good job promoting McDonald's. He went on and yeah. on about the quality of the meal yeah. uh, that he was having. Between that, that and was, key lime pie, he was eating that whole episode, man. Yeah. I, I would love that they do something like if they went to all of that effort of building that McDonald's, it would be great if it explodes or something, right? Uh-huh. Or there's some sort of shootout that happens inside of there with like the TVA or maybe a Kang or something along those lines. Yeah, uh, that would be great. They've done a good job so far setting up the stakes, of what they're trying to do with this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, the timeline is going nuts, but then they also those uh, militants also pruned a bunch of the they, time they bought some of, time yeah for that yeah so i guess that buys them some time because it'll probably still be an issue when it comes back i yeah. love it that they, they're like calling it like this big device like a giant loom mm-hmm. um because that's kind of what it is uh and like it's such an interesting object like a giant it reminds me of like when thor went to go build 
um, Stormbreaker, right? Yeah. You know, they had to use this big contraption. The, so, you know, I've, I'm kind of primed for something along the, these lines, right? Uh, the fun fact is if you go look at Quantumania, the device that Kang was trying to build with Janet's help is actually looks like a small loom, a time loom. Oh, I didn't, I didn't realize that. Yeah, so. I mean, it's fine. I don't expect you to remember everything out of Quantum Media. A lot of people didn't yeah. go back and revisit that. But it does add some some synergy really across the, the, the mm-hmm. Kang slash He Who Remains stuff. I, I'm very, I, I have a theory, Mike, and, and I, I yes. kind of want to get your, your, your thoughts on yeah, this. Yeah, it's not huge. Lay it on me. So He Who Remains, there's a recording where he's talking to Ravana Renslayer. He's like, I want to follow you. I want to lead with you, right? Like you, like It sounds like they're lovers. They were in love at some point. My theory is that he who remains defeated all the other kings because he went to the one timeline where she actually loved him. She told her, she's like, I don't, that that was awful. Why would you do that? So he mind wiped her and kept her close by and then erased any presence of him really by hiding himself. The reason that he let the two Lokis find him at the end is because he's like, this timeline was built out of love, not hate. And that's why it has to be the one true timeline. And like the two Lokis, obviously they love each other because they love themselves. So like the only way that they, anyone could rule the one true timeline is through love and not hate slash anger, which is what all the other Kings are uh, powered by. Does that yeah, make sense? I mean, it's a, it's a solid theory and I, it's something that they could work off of for sure. Yeah. One thing that like that doesn't really throw a stick into the spokes or anything is there's still this slight incongruency that I'm feeling between uh, the multiverse slash timeline of Loki and kind of what everything else in Marvel has been perpetrating of like, yes, Loki is traveling forward and backwards throughout time and there's these branches of you know the sacred timeline or the one true timeline right but Mm -hmm. there's there still seems to be this whole idea of multiverses that still perpetuates so if, if we're watching loki at face value i suppose we are to assume every time that there is a branch from that main timeline that branch is another multiverse right but from all of the other stuff that we've been watching it seems like no the multiverses they kind of always exist that's kind of the whole point of a multiverse is that there's always infinite versions of everything out there in some aspect because that's kind of what we saw in Doctor Strange of like oh you can fall through all of these different infinite universes right Mm -hmm, but we're seeing them actively pruned and destroyed in real time almost down to like less than a dozen of them so it, it seems like there needs to be something happening there like okay are there infinite number of multiverses or are there just a couple different timelines that are rogue out there and loki still seems to be focusing on the idea of time yeah of he's going back and he's going forward but yeah. then you also have multiversal which feels more like a shift like left and right rather than forward and back so it's it's still a little confusing for me to wrap my mind around because when I first saw Loki kind of doing that time slipping, I thought he was going to like a whole other universe. Like when yeah. we saw him at the end of season one and he sees this big Stang, Kang statue, right. oh, I thought he traveled to another universe where the TVA was more like Kang-centric. But no, yeah. he actually went back in time when Kang was, I guess, still using his in-person yeah, he branding. Was, he was being and very <laughs> pre- yeah, present with yeah. it. And at some point in time, he had to be like, no, we got to cover up all these statues with tile work because uh, apparently my face is a little too imposing and I got to build these like robot puppets to 
you well, know, hide it, my mistake. The interesting part is the TVA says they're not affected by any of this, but then Loki was able to do it. So I, I'm interested to find out maybe eventually where does the TVA exist, right? What, yeah. what, where does it exist? How does it do this? Because you can see through the windows. There's obviously a big city out in the TVA. Now, I, I, I agree with you. We are going to locations, and, and it's not, you know, the, the volume, if you will. But, like, there's a lot more of the, this world, the TVA world, that we're not seeing, and I want to see that rather than the same, like, five locations inside the building. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and I feel like also if we're traveling back in time, uh, so um, uh, what, what, what's um, the lady Loki name again? I always Sylvie. forget her name. Sylvie, that's right. I kept trying to say Sif, but that wasn't it. Uh, yep. So Sylvie goes back to 1982, but when 1982 pops up on the screen, I believe it says branched timeline. Yeah. So theoretically, it's not like she would be seeing the Dairy Queen from Guardians of the Galaxy when right. they flash back. But the kind of the rogue agent that became an actor in the 70s. I believe he said he's in the main timeline. So technically he could do a movie with Kumail Nanjiani yeah. because I think that's all the same timeline. So that's actually kind of what well, I'm trying to figure he, out. And he went back and just took the place of himself um, rather than he didn't create a new life for himself. Does that make sense? X five or X two or X five, whatever his name was. He went back and was like, this is a time. This was the life I was supposed to lead. So he probably either killed himself or hid his other body somewhere. Um, and that's that's, that, that's a whole different that's a whole different thing. So, yeah, but yeah, but that 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 is what. And even though I'm bringing up all of these question marks, I'm just saying the show is still operating at such a high level that I can almost look past some of these things that like aren't really interconnecting with the big MCU at large right now. Yeah. Just because all the performances are are great. I love the chemistry. I love the actors. I yeah. love the production design. It's, I you know, the special huge effects are really well. And little at the same time, right? Like it's like the mm-hmm. characters have motivations. They have their their conversations. They have they, they you find out what makes them tick and then at the same time you're like, oh there's a huge scene where they they have to take down the T V A agents walking in the boxes who are gonna like self destruct those timelines kind of thing so um mm-hmm. absolutely i agree I, I'm, I'm having a really good time uh i'm excited for to see where the next four episodes take us really and see where, where the end point the midpoint is after this week for sure um anything else on loki mike before we want to jump into ahsoka um i mean just the only downside fun. is is it means i can't cut my hair for a little while because uh my yep. wife is in love with tom hiddleston and the mop on his yep. head so i have roughly the I, same length of hair as him right now so if i go and get a haircut i'm getting ostracized from my own home I, I i need to figure out i need to start counting how many times he does the the head down and the hair flick back move in every episode because <laughs> it's a solid move man. He, he, that, he that's his one move he's he, he's got it down <laughs> to an art but but it's there but absolutely i think loki's great and i'm excited to to touch base on more uh, more Lokis uh, whenever it, uh, it it comes on down the road. All right, so uh, again, we're going to talk about Ahsoka. If you've not seen the Ahsoka series, which is now wrapped all six episodes, please go away, watch it, come back and listen. Or if you want to know more what we think about it, here's the thing. But we're not going to do spoilers down spoilers. We're just going to jump into this. As I, we talked a little bit as but like you know, obviously when a show like this is coming out, there's so many news articles. Like there's nothing I think we could spoil at this point for the show that hasn't been out for two weeks at this point. So mm-hmm. um, absolutely. So. Uh, this season wrapped up six episodes. I want to say I'm pretty sure the the theory slash rumor is season two of Ahsoka, although not announced, is expected to premiere before Dave Filoni's movie, which I feel how the show ended needs to happen. I don't think they can just jump into a movie 
where this left off. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, they're stranded on a planet, right? Like you would have to like open up the movie with them somehow getting, getting off the planet, fine, yeah. which, which be seems too fast. like it would almost, yeah, and it seems like it would kind of undercut their sacrifice, right? Because that's the big sacrifice they pull at the end of. We get Ezra home, but we stay behind yeah. essentially f- until we die of old age. Right. Exactly. Or the force finds a way because uh, the, the the way this works is so. Mike, I've watched all of the Clone Wars. I have seen most of Rebels. This show is for those people who've watched this wholeheartedly. I feel like there's going to be some stuff that's confusing as hell for people who didn't. Uh, but boy, do I feel rewarded for having watched those yeah. along the way. Well. Um, and that's truly the double-edged sword of this show for sure. Yeah. Um, but the ending there, obviously with the late Ray Stevens, uh, which is sad that he passed, he ended up on the, obviously what well, I've seen the most article of the statues of Mortis, right? The father, the son, and the headless um, daughter uh, in the episode of the clone wars, the daughter gives up her life to bring Ahsoka back to life in this place called Mortis, which is like outside of the Norn universe. It's really weird, really spiritual shit, but that's why the owl follows Ahsoka everywhere, by the way, in case you didn't know that, but boy, this planet has some meaning and we did not get to it in this first season. And that's really exciting that we can get there, but also at the same time, I'm like, ah, goddamn, six episodes was not enough for this show to really pop off. Um, yeah. And I, I feel like in that, I've had some time to meditate on the show and I, I haven't really talked to you about it all that much except when some bigger moments have popped up in the series as it was airing for six weeks. But I feel like ultimately to me, the show was, the show was more interesting to me than it was entertaining. If that mm-hmm. makes any sense. Yeah. Like I felt like there was lots of, lots of really clever choices being made. I saw, I saw a lot of really new things that I wasn't totally used to in star Wars. And I suppose some of those things might be less new if you uh, were very familiar with like clone wars or rebels. So I felt like I was getting a lot of new avenues and uh, corners and little nooks of star Wars, which seem very interesting to me, but I wouldn't say I was entirely compelled by the story that was unfolding. Like, I wanted to see the characters succeed, not because I cared about them. I wanted to see the characters succeed because I want to know what the other side of the, I want to know yeah. what the neighboring galaxy looks like. I yeah. want to see the characters succeed because I want to know what mysteries this new planet holds. Yeah. Like I don't necessarily care about the Padawan relationship or the performances. So that kind of made me feel a little bit like, Lucas with the prequels where he gets to play in this sandbox with all of these interesting world building ideas that he has, but just the execution overall leaves a little bit to be desired, but that's just on my end. Like I looked at the reviews, people seem to really, really be loving this, but I got to imagine the audience is much smaller for something like this. Uh, cause I mean, I couldn't get my wife past the first episode because she doesn't know any of these characters. Like, Yeah. yeah, we're primed a little bit with Ahsoka from the Mandalorian. Right. But everyone else is not really built up in any way. We're just supposed to kind of know them already. And luckily I watched a rebels clone wars recap video because I love doing that kind of stuff. But yeah, this would be a tough sell for somebody that's very casual in star. Wars. Yeah, exactly. And like I said, it it pays off for those people because it is like 
this is literally a continuation of what Dave Filoni started. Like, they, if he, if he, I think was given the budget to do cartoons, this is what he would be doing, right? Like, yeah. if they were like, you want a Clone Wars uh, season eight? This is, and he's like, yep, I already got the story. Here it is. Boom. Um, it would be fantastic. Or Rebel season five, depending on on who you talk to, because there's a lot of Rebel stuff here. I, 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 I like the. There was nothing here I didn't enjoy. It was fun to see Thrawn. It was fun to see the Night Sisters in live action. The zombie troopers, obviously, very, very fun to see. Um, you know, but everything is very quick in this show, and I don't like that. Eight episodes is not what this show needed. It needed more. Um, you know, give it, give it a or it was six. It needed eight or ten, maybe even twelve. Mike, like a, like a like an Andor season, if you will, to really mm. get through. Because like, I feel like, oh hey. She landed, she goes out to find Ezra. Well, within the same episode, she finds Ezra. And I'm like, okay, great. And then the next episode, like, okay, now they're with the So, like, everything is moving at the pace it needs to to get the story moving. But I'm like, it doesn't need to go this fast. I would love to, not just myself, but everybody else needs to know how these characters interact with each other. How do they know each other? What is that dynamic between them all, yeah. right? And because I wasn't, I wasn't really getting a lot of these emotional payoffs either. Yeah. I, like I was saying, if you were with the Clone Wars and Rebels for a while, maybe the relationships make a little bit more sense. But I see uh, Sabine, right? That's the Mandalorian yeah. Padawan, right? Yeah. I see her character as literally sacrificing everything in her life to get to Ezra. And then when she finally sees him on screen, they're yeah. just kind of like, oh, hey, right. what's up? Like there was no like I'm not expecting them to be remote uh, romantically entangled, but like the, I don't even think there was a hug. They didn't even physically embrace yeah. each other in any way. And this is somebody that's been stranded in another galaxy, thinking that they'd never get back home, and they see a familiar face, and it's just like, oh, what's up? Like, yeah. what is happening here? What is the directorial choice for that to be the scene? How it is portrayed and i guess if you're really into the the you know the feloni story yeah. and characters i guess it could make more sense but to me i'm just like well this right. feels really odd to go there, to the all of these lengths yeah. and it's to be no emotional connection really. there is i mean i think it's there but it's very it's just sped up right it's it just speed it up move along we got to get to the next point because we have six episodes we got it we got to do this in six episodes folks so we're going to keep going then so like we never had time to really sit and enjoy it like ray stevens played a great character but he was very stoic and i don't really know why he was stoic for this show right like mm-hmm. I, I i he okay something's calling to him on this planet he's following the force obviously he he knows something about the mortis and the the force you know um embodiments but i'm like give me a little more than just an intense stare sir like i need a little bit more than an intense <laughs> stare and like a like some sort of like sage wisdom um you know obviously they're not Sith. I think their lightsabers were orange, whether they were red or orange depends on, I guess what team you had, <laughs> but uh, to your point, I think they were orange, but like, you know, she, uh, um, Shin had a Padawan braid. Why did she have a Padawan braid? Is that like, what was that relationship like a little bit more? Right. So I, I feel everything was just forced very quickly because of the episode count and not really because, and, and they got to what they needed to, but like it didn't serve the story as much as it should have at the end of the day. Does that make sense? Like, it sounds like maybe you might feel the same way. It's just fast. Like it was just there to get there. And like, there was no time to really relish the little moments between everybody. Yeah. 
like I kind of had to lean into the enjoyment of things and stuff yeah. because we, they weren't really building these connections between these characters at all. Mm. Um, like you were saying, was is Shin? Is that was that the name of the other bad? Yeah, the, yeah, guy, the, the, the girl, the, yeah, the blonde girl. Yeah, um, she, I felt like she was the only one, like, just really delivering, like, raw emotions. Like, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of ex- very expressive, lots of energy, like, just the only thing that was, I feel like, really sparking and lighting up the screen. Well, she was um, the only one doing anything different. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and it was, also, this was my first experience um, with Thrawn and really any... Yeah any meaningful way and I, I thought he was interesting I do like how you have this person who's supposed to be a master general like I'm under the assumption that he's not really a fighter right if you just had a blaster or a lightsaber I feel like you could just like strike this guy down but yeah. that's not the issue here it's that he's this masterful tactician and he knows the situation that he's in is incredibly dire so his main goal is to, you know, just Distract. get out of there. Yeah. He's not so much worried about exacting revenge, which I thought was very interesting, right? I feel like a lot of these bad guys in Star Wars are always very yeah. emotionally driven, right? right. Oh, I want to be the leader. I want to take over They're, everything. Like, I can see Thrawn's yeah. cold and calculating side, which is exciting. Yeah. Well, because everyone, everyone else is usually a, a villain. Like, you know, they're angry or they're full of hate. And he's, you know, again, um, Thrawn is very self-serving, right? Obviously, he he has made this deal with these witches to go to, at the end, you know, they go back to um, the planet of the Dathomir, where the Night Sisters are, with a bunch of what looks like sarcophagi with them. Like, it looks like they're going to, like, bring back an army of the undead, like, to fight. Yeah. Which I thought, that, like that gets me pretty, like, very excited at the end. Like, I'm like, okay, those are obviously coffins. With people in them, are they going to bring back dead night sisters? Are they going to bring back dead stormtroopers? What is he doing with these like bodies? Because that is going to get me excited for for whatever's next. Because that's different, right? That's new. That's not something we've seen before in Star Wars. He's not, you know, he's he's limping along to even get to Dathomir with a piecemeal spaceship. Um, but he's very very adamant about taking those uh, coffins with him. Uh, so what mm-hmm. what is his plan? Because you mentioned he's a masterful tactician. He didn't need to go out and destroy them. He just needed to distract them and delay them so he could leave and leave them there. So um, yeah, yeah. I'm just yeah. I'm very curious. Also, like I said, this show was interesting to me. Yeah. And the most interesting thing is this planet and what's happening there on this planet. Yeah. If Thrawn did indeed take corpses off of it maybe he took other resources as well which will give him a competitive fighting advantage out there in the old galaxy are ahsoka and sabine gonna find something there that's gonna give them a competitive advantage maybe they'll commune with nature and unlock a new force power or they have it seems i just don't know something's happened like what are these big cryptic monuments that exist on the planet right what like this this is all very interesting. I just yeah. want them to nail everything else that a TV give, show has to have outside yeah. of, you know, the premise. See, I again, I say give it give them eight episodes. Stop stop making them rush through six episodes. Like I understand the six episode count works for a lot of shows, but like 
you know, after watching Clone Wars, after watching Rebels, Filoni works in, in in waves of threes rather than waves of twos. So, like, give him nine episodes for a show. It's fine. You have money to do it, and you'll get the returns. Imagine the Star Wars toys you can sell with zombie stormtroopers at Halloween. I mean, it's it's fantastic. Yeah. Those zo- those zombie stormtroopers were cool. I mean, if I was like um, in the replica prop, you know, kind of community, if I liked building like cosplay of stormtrooper armor, you've just unlocked so yeah. many new outfits for that community, right? Just like the bandages that uh-huh. are across them. You know, just like the performances of being inside of it, you're kind of lumbering around. I was like, oh, that stuff's cool. And it makes so much more sense why they're like so easy to control because they're basically being brainwashed. I mean, if I was a stormtrooper and I was stranded on another planet like for what, 30, 20 years? I don't know how long it was. They've only been there for like maybe nine, 10 years. Oh, I, that's enough for me to go AWOL. Yeah, yeah, I, don't, yeah, I, don't, yeah. I, don't, I don't care about you. I'm going to go make my own little settlement. Well, you, they, they obviously don't have the resources to keep everyone alive, right? So they're dying through attrition even. Um, uh-huh. So so absolutely. So yeah, the, you've got to do something. I, I, it was, I, I also it was fun to see the actual death troopers, like the bigger ones at the end there, where she shoved the lightsaber blade through like through his face. Um, that oh, showed, yeah, that's right. That they oh, were, they'd been all- dead for a while. They're not like fresh dead. So And, and also... Uh, that stormtrooper with the gold mask, yep. a perfect Enoch. example of something crazy interesting to me, right? And I'm just curious. I just are we gonna are we in another Ca- Captain Phasma situation here, where yep. I'm not never gonna get any payoff for what's under that mask? Yep. It looks cool as hell, though. So I hope that something comes from that stormtrooper. Yeah, yeah, e- e- exactly. So yeah, he's one of maybe the few alive ones left, uh, but at what cost? So. Yeah, I, I think, you know, Ahsoka, I, I still, I had a good time. It's payoff from watching everything else. I just wish I'd had more time with it rather than rush through everything because uh, I think there's a lot more to be explored and to be told. And, you know, for the, um, you know, average viewer, maybe the person who'd watched Mandalorian and come over to this, they're going to be a little more confused than the average bear. Yeah. But but it was nice that it's very much opposite of Mandalorian. It's very much opposite of Andor. Like, it, it sits in a, it sits in its own quadrant really if you will of of star wars shows yeah ultimately i feel like maybe unfortunately i don't know if i could go around and recommend this to just any old person right i'd have to sit down and have a whole conversation of like what's your you know how uh, how committed are you to this universe what have you watched could i interest you in a youtube recap before you started this right you know uh this is and and this is also just an issue in general that any long-lasting franchise is gonna have if you keep for lack of a better term, milking the franchise, right? You gotta educate your audience at some point in time, right? That's why you see all of these like rebooted comic books get made. That's why you see younger cartoons made for younger audiences, because you you gotta bring in the audience soon, because like eventually, yeah. uh, like this is just like this is just like social security in the United States, right? Eventually, all the old people are gonna need services, and all of the young people are gonna have to pay for it. And if that formula starts to tip the other direction, everything starts to go belly up. So. I, I you could not build the next twenty years of Star Wars off of these characters, yeah. uh, because they, they they're not well known enough, and eventually they terminate, right? Because you have Ray and all of those characters in the future, so yeah. it seems like maybe that's why they went this direction of like, well, we're only going to be around for maybe one or two more seasons, culminate with a big old movie, yeah. and we'll move on to something well, else. Well, they've got, so. they've got to wipe the slate clean before 
that yes. Force Awakens comes clean. And and all these characters so far are, um, I would say, uh, expendable, if you will, right? Like nobody, mm-hmm. nobody, which is great because if they do make a movie, everyone is on the line. No one has to make it out of the movie alive, uh, it, which is which is interesting. But I will, I will, I will think. You know, if if it is if you are only watching coming from the Mandalorian and the live action movies, this is a very weird spinoff of an episode of Mandalorian season two where Ahsoka was trying to mm-hmm. fight somebody. Uh, if you don't know the whole story, it's very much, I agree with you. It's very much out of that. But for those who did watch it, this show's like fucking spot on for everyone who knows everything else. You're like, yep, I know that, that, and that, and you're having a good time. So. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm excited to see if a season two gets announced. I assume it will. Uh, hopefully, the TV approach that you know Disney is doing. I mean, again, I don't think the Mandalorian and Andor and Ahsoka suffer from the same things Marvel does in terms of producers. But maybe they can be like, all right, we need to serialize this, give you another season, do the movie, and then boom, we can focus on episode ten and stuff beyond that, kind of going forward. So. Uh, Cross our fingers. We are in a weird place with Star Wars, but it's only going to get weirder before it gets better. <laughs> all right, Mike. That's the show. That's all. That's a long one. A little bit. A little bit of a bonus episode this week, if you will. Whole whole thing through and through. But if people want to know what you're up to, what you're doing, where can they find you at, man? Yeah, they can find me at Mike Royer Design on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. You can read my web comic at liferewardsrisk.com. Chris, if people want to catch up with you and eventually just find you playing Spider-Man, just like me this coming weekend, where can they find you? Yes, that's true. You can find me on Instagram, Valdan87, V-A-L-D-A-N-87. But also, I'm pretty sure that's my PlayStation handle if you want to see how many trophies I've unlocked on this game because I've 100%ed the first two games through and through. So I'm going to go for this one, too. Uh, if people know more about the show, where they can come back, we will be. We are on a regularly scheduled program for the foreseeable future. We are not taking any more weeks off that I know of. Um, where can they find all the good episodes coming up and in the past at? Yeah, all you got to do if you want to find our giant galactic star cruiser with uh, light speed capabilities, it's over at superheroslate.com. That's the best place to find all the avenues we host our show. Uh, and also to get our awesome kick ass show notes. We talked about a lot of stuff this week. We got it all there over at the website. We got an awesome upcoming release calendar, which is becoming very, very, very helpful because I don't know when anything comes out anymore mm-hmm. uh, because things have shifted so much. So we do our best to keep that updated and just a nice, simple text space, no pop-ups. We're not going to blacklist you from our websites. If you're running an ad blocker like YouTube does now, um, that was a fun thing to come back to after vacation of like, hey. what is this pop-up? I'm trying to watch this Monarch trailer oh, in the yeah. middle of recording this podcast. What is what is going on here? So you don't have to worry about any of that. Head on over to SuperheroSlate.com. You can get swag at SuperheroSlate.com slash store. We love hearing from you. Let us know what you thought about the kickoff of Loki Season 2 or what you thought about Ahsoka. We love hearing from our fans. And if you want to be a super fan of the show, all you got to do is share the show with a friend. Share the show with a buddy, and we will be here every week, folks. That's right. We will catch you guys next week. Bye. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to subscribe.